stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick. And this week, I'm joined by Zach's director of ETF research and the host of her own podcast, the ETF Spotlight, Nina Mishra, to discuss the energy ETFs. So I love the energy in, or I love the ETF in, industry because they tend to jump on the bandwagon, whatever's hot, they go for it, whatever the trend is. So they've, they've put out ETFs in cannabis, the cloud, AI, we have ESG, whatever that is going on, uh, whatever the other hot areas are, they jump in with a new way to trade on it. But I've noticed that they've been quiet on the hottest industry of the last 14 months, which has been energy. There are no new ETFs that have launched in the last year to try to cash in on this hot energy trade. We're mostly left with the oldies, but goodies, including like the the big flagship one, the um, Energy Select Sector Spider Fund, the XLE, as it's just commonly known as the XLE. That one was launched, according to Yahoo Finance, in 1998, during the start of the last uh, energy bull market. So, Nina, what's going on? Why why is the ETF industry so quiet right now on energy? Hi, Tracy. You're absolutely right. Uh, so, if you look at the recent ETF launches, uh, you will see a number of ETFs tracking the metaverse. You have uh, three, four ETFs, uh, which are supposedly inflation protection ETFs. And then you have ETFs tracking all sorts of hot themes. But yes, no one is launching energy ETFs, though. Energy was the best performing sector last year, and it is the best performing sector this year as well. Uh, now, there have been a couple of uh, energy ETF launches here and there. For example, uh, this year we got uh, a 2x uh, energy bull ETF. It tracks the oil services companies. The ticker symbol is ONG. And this is about a month old. Uh, and uh, it has gathered only 5.4 million in assets. Like That's it? <laughs> That's it. 5.4 million. Yes. Oh my so, gosh. Just so that people listening understand, that's like, that's nothing. That is that's like nothing. Any. Oh my that's, gosh. Okay. <laughs> so, so people are not launching energy ETF. And uh, as you mentioned, those boring energy ETFs, the boring and the best, which are the best ETFs for long-term investors. Yeah. They have, in fact, seen decent uh, inflows this, this year. Uh, but uh, the energy ETFs, which are hotter, for example, NRGU, which was, which was supposedly quite hot with uh, Reddit traders uh, in um, last year and in a part of 2020, that even that 
that uh, ETN hasn't seen a lot of inflows this year. USO, which tracks uh, oil using oil futures, uh, that has outflows, a little bit of outflows this year. So it's an interesting phenomena going on in the oil industry. So long-term investors, it seems, are still putting money in these ETFs like uh, XLE that you mentioned and VD, the one by Vanguard. Those have seen decent inflows this year, whereas the supposedly the trading uh, products, they haven't seen much interest this year. And of course, we are not launching any new energy ETFs. Uh, one and one ETF that launched recently and it got my attention because it is supposedly an ESG ETF and it was launched by engine number one. Uh, engine number one is an activist investors investor and they became famous because they won three seats on on the board of Exxon Mobil. Uh, so they launched their second ETF recently, which focuses on companies that are driving the future of this energy transition. And uh, I saw that uh, uh, Occidental is one of the top holdings in that ETF. So an ESG ETF has uh, one of the oil companies as its top holding, but we are not seeing any oil or energy ETFs uh, launch lately. And uh, the main reason is that climate talk is cool. So we have seen so many ESG focused ETFs launch in the past few years and this year as well we have seen a number of uh, climate focused and ESG focused ETFs but nothing targeting energy as such. So what's the ticker on that engine number one? So the ticker is NETZ and uh, engine number one has uh, the, their first ETF is vote so the vote ETF is basically like an S&P. It tracks an index which is very similar to the S&P 500 index, and uh, but it uses your money for uh, shareholder activism. Now, uh, this company, this was a very little known uh, activist investor, and they caught attention uh, because as I mentioned, uh, uh, they won three board seat on Exxon's board and they were backed by BlackRock and they are now driving the climate change strategy at Exxon. So Exxon, you must have seen there, Exxon is uh, investing a lot in uh, their carbon recapture technologies and they want to become uh, net zero by 2050, I think. Uh, yeah. uh, so all that is being driven by those board member at Exxon, yes. So after this, uh, Exxon was earlier trying, uh, planning to increase oil and gas production by 25% over the next five years. And after this uh, proxy battle with engine number one, which was won by engine number one, then Exxon announced that they plan to keep oil output at the lowest level in two decades, they are not going to increase the output and uh, they will go net zero by 2050. 
safety. And you must have seen a lot of you know advertisements and uh, other things by Exxon that they are investing so much in carbon uh, recapture technologies and yeah. uh, how they are changing you know changing the climate and and all that. Yeah, so I've just looked at the top holdings of that ETF, the NETZ that you just mentioned, and GM is up there, Deer, then the Oxy that you mentioned, um, Visteon, Ford, Southern Copper Core, that's like a miners, Alcoa, Canadian Pacific, Albemarle, and Tran Technologies are the top 10. So kind of an interesting mix, not necessarily what you might think you're buying if you're trying to um, transform climate. So yeah, that's interesting that they're now including some energy. They said energy is 5.3% of the fund. Um, mm -hmm. so some of them who are, you know, trying to right. go new directions, innovate, are Yeah, so and Engine number one is also pushing GM to invest more in the EV uh, lineup. So that is why GM is also one of the top holdings in the ETF. Yeah, that makes sense. So how much money has flowed into this ETF? Do we know? It has uh, six, about 70 million in assets. Okay. So much better than <laughs> 5 million. And yeah. this is not even a month old. Uh, this launched on the second of this month, so just 20 days old. So for a 20 day old ETF, 70 million is not bad at all. Yeah, I'm still stuck on that, on that fact that there's only 5 million that has flowed in there. So normally, you know, they've given some time horizon to actually grow the assets in these. But I remember you saying that you need at least 100 million, right, to actually continue running the ETF. Isn't that right? Yeah. So uh, if uh, an ETF is not able to gather more than 50 million or 100 million would be a good amount, then okay. it is not profitable for the sponsored to continue running that ETF. Uh, now, the ETF that I mentioned is by Direction, so Direction is not a very big ETF sponsor, but it is a decently sized uh, ETF sponsor. For So for bigger companies, it is easier to keep running even the loss-making products. But if it is a small company, if it is an ETF uh, which is sponsored by a newer provider, which has just about three, four ETFs, then it would be very difficult for them to run an ETF or continue running an ETF, which has less than 50 million in assets. So in that case, the close closer risk is very, very high. Yeah, I see um, turning back to the other ETF you mentioned that's relatively newer. They have uh, the NRGU that you mentioned. That's the big oil index three-time leverage. <laughs> I love it. Um, that one has 680 million already. I don't know how long that one's been around. Um, but that one, because it's three time leverage, they only have 10 positions in the portfolio. And that launched in 2019, in April of 2019. So just before the pandemic, it was good timing for that one. So that's that one is among the most recent. Yeah, this is a 2019. Uh, yeah. it, this is actually an ETN exchange traded note, okay. uh, which doesn't uh, hold anything, but it tracks a, an index, and it it is like a promissory note to deliver the performance of that 
index. Uh, so as I mentioned, this this was very popular on with Reddit trade, traders when yeah. uh, oil had plunged uh, just after the lockdowns and after that it started rebounding. So they they thought that this is this is very very oil is very very cheap and they started putting money in NRGU and in fact NRGU because it is three times uh, an index of oil U.S. oil and gas companies. So this was the best performing energy ETF last year and probably it is the best performing this year too because because of the leverage uh, but uh, investors should remember that leveraged ETFs are not meant for long-term holding uh, they are supposed to be trading or hedging instruments only right and you don't get things like a dividend or anything like that because they don't actually own the companies is that correct yeah Right. right. That's, yeah. And because the dividend is one of the main attractions of investing in oil now because they have such juicy dividends and they have been returning a lot of cash to shareholders in the form of dividends and uh, share buybacks too. In fact, um, uh, just recently I read a report in the Financial Times that seven oil majors, uh, including Exxon, Chevron, BP, Shell, they will be returning about 40 billion to shareholders through share buybacks this year. And that would be almost double of 20 billion uh, of buybacks, which was in 2014. That was the last time when oil was trading above $100 a barrel. And this is the biggest share buyback since 2008, because, you know, these uh, ETF majors, the, S uh, the SH giants like BlackRock and Vanguard, they are pushing these oil companies to uh, keep their production uh, unchanged and return more more cash to shareholders in the form of dividends and share buybacks. So dividends is one of the big attractions for oil investors now. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about one of the other uh, leveraged, uh, I guess it's, this one is probably an ETN too, the Direxion um, daily S&P oil and gas two times bull, the one with Gush as the ticker, G-U-S-H. This, that's a good ticker. This one launched in 2015, but this invests in like the swaps and all that stuff, right? So this is sounds similar to the other ETN in that way, where you don't own the companies. Yeah, so this is a leverage ETF. Uh, uh, so this is not an ETN, it is an ETF. Uh, oh, but okay. uh, but uh, uh, in order to achieve that leverage, these uh, these leverage ETFs they use a number of derivatives, including swaps, etc., to achieve that uh, leverage. But uh, and again, investors should remember that leverage products are meant for trading or hedging only, not for long-term investing. So, if investors are interested in getting into an ETF right now, uh, should they just stick with the tried and true, the the big? Granddaddy, the XLE, I know that covers the entire industry, including services, natural gas, all of that stuff. Should they um, try to do a more actively managed? I, I'm not sure if some of these other ones, there's some small ETFs from Invesco that have a bigger expense ratio, um, like the Dynamic Energy EMP ETF, PXE is that ticker. They only have 132 million under, uh, management in that one and inception was 2005 so they've been around a while but um that one is performing pretty good should they 
what should they do? What where where should we go? So there are two ways to you know, kind of benefit from the rising oil prices if you believe that oil prices will continue to rise. So you can either invest in oil ETFs directly, and those oil ETFs are uh, commodity ETFs, uh, which use futures to track oil prices. Uh, so ETFs like USO, uh, those are for tracking the commodity prices, and because uh, they have to use futures. They cannot buy oil and store it. Gold ETFs um, are physically backed, or precious metal ETFs are physically backed because they actually buy gold and silver and they store in the walls. But uh, other commodity futures-based ETFs that track oil or um, corn or wheat, they are futures-backed. Uh, so that is one way of profiting from profiting from the oil prices uh, but because they invest in futures they hold futures investors should remember that that they can suffer from contango at times though currently the oil market is in backwardation and when it is in backwardation it means that at time at the time of rolling over those futures contracts there is a roll yield but normally the futures market is in contango so whenever those futures are rolled over uh, there is a roll cost uh, so that that is something which investors should remember and those etfs should again be used for short term trading or hedging only the commodity based uh, ETFs because they use futures. But if you are a long-term investors and you believe in the outlook for the energy industry as such, then I think these cheap ETFs that invest in uh, oil companies uh, like XLE or VDE, those are the best for investors, they are there some by uh, Invesco, as you mentioned, which are based on momentum. So if uh, you think that, you know, the momentum could continue, uh, is going to continue, then probably you can look at one of those momentum based ETF too. Um, but I think XLE and VD, those are among the best for tracking the, uh, the broader oil industry as such. Uh, so you mentioned that uh, you are positive on energy. So do you think uh, energy industry has, uh, do, you, do you think that sector will continue to do well? Yeah, I think it has a couple more years to run in this bull market that we've entered into a new secular bull. So if I was, uh, you know, interested in it, we've had a nice run here to start 2022. And we might get a pullback here because it's been, you know, pretty hot here. So I wouldn't be surprised if some traders take some of their gains off the table. But if they do, I would be looking to buy on any, you know, significant weakness in the big names or in some of these ETFs. If you just want to own like the, you know, the big, the whole industry, basically, um, that's an easy way to do it, especially if you buy like the oil and gas EMP, the XOP. That's a pretty big ETF that's been around a while. And that one will get you a lot of the kind of smaller, higher beta names. Like I took a look at the list there, what they own. Um, Calon Petroleum is the top holding. SM Energy, then Occidental, then Diamondback. Those two are pretty big. And then Continental, which is also pretty big. But you're not going to get uh, 
the big oils, you're not getting Exxon and Chevron with that ETF like you would in the XLE and the Vanguard fund has those. I think if you look at the XLE, almost half of it is Exxon and Chevron now. So yeah, it is very, 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 very top heavy. Uh, yeah. So yes, as far as the outlook for energy industry is concerned, uh, I think I'm also very positive uh, now. I was, in fact, <laughs> very late in getting onto that bandwagon because I always uh, uh, saw that ESG is such a hot theme, and particularly in the ETF industry and all the um, all these uh, you know asset giants, uh, they were forcing companies. Uh, to reduce their investments, not to drill increased production. So I thought uh, the outlook for energy industry is uh, going to you know, continue to be negative. And uh, if you look at the returns over the past 10 years, the, the sector had yeah. underperformed sure. so much and be, it became such a small part of the broader indexes. Yeah. But now it seems that everyone is talking about the transition, but the world is just not ready for that transition, right? Uh, uh, if you look at what happened at natural gas prices in Europe uh, over the past year or so, they have uh, jumped almost fivefold because Europe was much ahead of the U.S. in terms of uh, uh, climate change um, and the transition to green energy. So they stopped investing in their own uh, fossil fuels industry and they were heavily dependent on Russia for natural gas. So that is why all those supplies disruptions are causing such a surge in uh, gas prices in Europe. And probably that is also one of the reasons why uh, the outlook for oil and energy industry looks good because uh, all these companies, they are not increasing production, even though oil prices have surged so much and they are making so much money. Uh, they are reporting record profits. The, or the, If you look at the results of uh, Chevron and Exxon, uh, their profits were highest in almost a decade, but they are not increasing production. They are just returning uh, money to shareholders or investing in uh, green energy and carbon rec recapture technologies and such. Well, I should have you on the podcast more often because you can just give the whole scenario that I, I believe is going to happen for energy because um, you just did right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm very bullish on you know the next several years. In fact, uh, because usually the bullish cycles in energy do uh, last for numerous years. So if you want to say this one began when the uh, industry kind of bottomed out in October, November of 2020, right before the vaccines were announced. That was the worst, the darkest time, I think, for them. Um, then we're only really in like the second year of this newish type of supply and demand uh, bull, which is bullish for the energies from what you just laid out. Um, so yeah, this is, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with a lot of these companies and professional money managers who don't want to be in this area because of ESG issues and climate change. But uh, if this area stays hot, they usually don't stay on the sidelines <laughs> forever in the hottest industry that's out there. So, so we'll see. But um, for those that are looking for dividends, this is a good time 
to be looking at some of these companies because they are paying out all of this cash. I think it was Pioneer Natural Resources that said they're paying out 80% of their free cash flow. A couple of the others are anywhere from 60 to 70% so far they've announced. But with crude at these levels, even if they're hedging some of their crude and natural gas, they're still leaving some of it unhedged and uh, you know seeing just really strong profits. So yeah, this is an area I like a lot. People who are in my portfolios here at Zacks know this because I own them in both the insider trader because the insiders have been buying energy uh, pretty much across the board since November of 2020. They've been going in full throttle and um, I'm waiting to see if they do this earnings season as well, if they decide to buy any here because it has been this nice rally and it might be a, just a little too hot for even them to handle, but we'll see. Um, they do like to wait for pullbacks and there have been numerous pullbacks even since November 2020. There was a 20% sell-off in pretty much across the board in the energy complex right. last summer. So I, I do think we'll see that again. And especially, you know, everything follows the crude and natural gas prices for the most part. So if those, if uh, WTI falls back, you know, around 80 or so, that's still uh, way above the budgets of most of those drillers. And so they're fine with $80, that they'll take $80, but the street will probably sell off the shares again. So you, you'll be able to get them cheaper at some point it, and including these ETFs as well. So, so, so uh, since you mentioned that you have been positive on the energy industry, energy sector, um, do you have owned these uh, uh, for some time? So looking forward, uh, do you think that these broader ETFs uh, would uh, are, are better for investors or should they uh, focus on an uh, ETF which holds only oil services companies or ENP companies? Are you more positive on a particular area within the industry? Well, I still like the EMPs for the biggest gains. Uh, they just, they have more upside always than the service side, which always kind of lags. They just don't have the same uh, tie-in with WTI. That's not how they make their money. Uh, they will see benefits as WTI rises because usually that means more production. So that means more revenue for them. But the EMPs, the exploration and producers, they see a direct tie-in with you know taking that oil or nat gas out of the ground and selling it at those higher prices so i still like if i was going to buy any of the etfs i would be the most interested in in the emp etf which is ticker xop yeah and you mentioned um, uh, the concentration in xle so for investors yeah. who are uncomfortable with an etf being quite top heavy then uh, xop is an equal weighted etf uh, so there is no not much concentration in that etf uh, and uh, pretty decent pretty popular with investors 4.3 billion in assets and quite reasonably priced for its equal weighting equal weighted etfs uh, they are a little bit more expensive than market cap weighted ETF because they are they have to do more rebalancing. Okay. Uh, so third, this has an expense ratio of 35 basis points, which is I think quite reasonable for its strategy. Good to know. And that ETF is up 11.5% uh, year to date versus the S&P 500 down about 9% right now. So it's it's holding its own here in 2022. 
Okay, let me recap a lot of these tickers because we did talk about a lot of ETFs today, so it's a good mix. So that new ETF that just launched the two times, but it's oil services is ticker ONG, if you're interested in the new guy on the block. Then we talked about the three times leveraged big oil index. That one um, is NRGU. That's the one that's up 74% year to date, but that's the Reddit trader guys on that one. Then we had engine number one. They have that climate uh, transformation ETF, but it includes some energy in there. That's ticker NETZ. Then we have just this, the good standby that's been around the longest, the XLE. We had a couple of those Invesco ETFs. They're in the game, but they're um, a little bit more momentum, as Nina mentioned. But there's the Invesco Dynamic Energy EMP ETF, which is PXE. So P is in Peter XE. Then we they also have a second one, Invesco WDA Energy Momentum ETF. That's PXI. So you might want to check out those. Then we talked about Gush. Um, that's the two times. And then we talked about uh, Vanguard. That's just kind of the uh, lower cost. Um, also, a lot of people are in that one. Maybe it might be in your 401k or that kind of thing. It's ticker VDE on that one. Vanguard's is V as in Victor, D as in Dave, E as in Edward. And then we had the EMP, um, the S&P oil and gas EMP ETF XOP that we were just discussing. So yeah, there's a good mix here. Um, take a look or take a look at some of the individual holdings. I always like to go look at the ETFs and see what the holdings are in there and then maybe look around and do some research on them. All of these are owning um, relatively similar other than the ones that are using swaps or the other things, but uh, the big ones have you know a lot of the same similar names and makeups other than the one that's on just the EMPs or the one that's just services, some of those that are kind of more niche -y. But yeah, a lot going on. So you wanna be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode because who knows what we're gonna talk about next week because there is a lot going on. So be sure to subscribe. You can get us on Apple Podcasts. You can get us on Spotify, Amazon Music, anywhere you can get the podcast these days. We are gonna be there and be sure to sign up because I'll be back next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.